Welcome back to Changing of the Times. I'm your host, Josh Daishi, alongside my colleague, David Ulek. David, we are one week away tonight. Kicks off the NFL uh, mm-hmm. season. Um, college football is playing in some conferences, and uh, a lot of things are starting to move back into the general mold of the fall. Uh, today, we're honored to have two guests that we've been looking forward to having for a while, and James and Sabrina Sutherland, both uh athletes from the same family and have been greatly impacted by COVID. Hey, let's bring them in. All right, sounds good. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Oh, thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. So, James, do you remember exactly where you guys were both at when uh, COVID actually became the uh, top story? I actually did. I was in uh, Tokyo, Japan, where kind of um, – in December, they had the cruise ship that 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 landed in the port in Yokohama, where I actually played. I used to play in Yokohama, and it was actually there for a couple of months. And during the break of our league, that's when the outbreak started, and that's when uh, everything started slowing down over there. What was it, what were they saying over there? How how serious was it over there? Because early on, obviously, it really hit us. James, ironically, it hit us the Big East tournament, which you took part in when you were playing at Syracuse. Yeah. In March, so it started obviously earlier for you guys over you over there. Oh yeah, definitely, because um it it, it, start, it started early. Actually, when I arrived in Japan, they kept talking about this ship, this cruise ship that landed that hasn't that has that had basically people quarantined or stuck on there for for a while. But I kind of forgot about it. But I didn't realize like a month or month and a half later that they, they were still on that cruise ship, and um the the outburst actually started um the outbreak actually started um north of north of japan and hokkaido it's, it's actually kind of colder over there and everything like that and um it was affecting they, they thought it was affected by the, the cold the cold air or something like that but later on as we know it, it had nothing to do with that so, so how did they shut it down here, here's my question where did that cruise ship come from i think uh, I, I i i'm not sure exactly where it was i think it was coming from china to be honest it was coming from china but um they had two americans on there and that's when it became a big deal you know because uh, there's two american people on there um, cause it was a, we have a, we have a port, Yokohama is a port and we had the biggest Chinatown in Japan over there. So that it was coming from there. Um, and, and that's what happened, but how, how, how at first, it, it was really kind of quiet when it first started. It was, we didn't, we didn't think nothing of it. Like we, it was kind of forgotten about during the month of December to January ish and until February, that's when we started really hearing something about it. And because it was more, it started spreading from um, from from Hokkaido to like Tokyo and even uh, southern Japan. So that's when it became that became great. When did they shut things down? When did they stop playing games over there? We didn't officially shut down, but from um, All Star break, from NBA All Star break, we have that week off. There was, so after that week, we had another week off, and they were thinking about starting again. And so we basically had two weeks after our the All Star break. So in March, everything was dead. We couldn't go in the gym. We couldn't practice or anything like that. Um, they they kind of uh, let us practice one time a day, but it had to be for a, sh- a short period of time, and everything had to be no one no one could be around. And then we we played two games in March, and then that shut down like March 11th. Sabrina, obviously, you're a big time athlete yourself, going competing, getting getting ready for the Olympic trials. Where were you when this was happening? Um, I was actually in Eugene, Oregon, still training at that time. It was in February, and we were just in the middle of our training block. 
and, and what was the, what was the coaches saying? And uh, obviously, you know, take us through what what you were going through, what you were hearing. Obviously, you know, I, I believe Seattle and the north um, uh, northwest got hit pretty hit, got hit first, correct? Yeah, it got hit pretty bad, but um, I think people were pretty. Um, I think people were pretty ignorant to the fact that it was a huge pandemic. So nobody was really taking it seriously at that time in Eugene, at least. Um, and it wasn't until Governor Kate Brown started to implement laws for people to restricting people to go outside and like go to certain places. Um, so I think it wasn't until the governor actually shut things down for everyone until that's when they started getting serious. So James, you were in Japan, you were in Eugene, Oregon, and the epicenter of where it happened is exactly where you live right now and where your and your dad was a major part of this in New York City in the hospitals. Can you talk a little bit about what was going on, what you were hearing from your dad? Oh man, when it first when when uh, when the outbreak happened, he was stressed. I mean, I, they, first of all, they were understaffed because this thing was spreading uh, uh, rapidly, and um, so basically, uh, he was coming home working longer longer days uh, with a lot more work to do. And you, you could see he was it, it was uh, it was affecting him physically because he was uh, and mentally because he's seeing a lot of he, he's talking about for the week they had like trucks that would pick up dead bodies like at least twenty he was getting twenty bodies a day and uh, it's usually like twenty bodies a week of, of, of and it just kept it just kept going for like like the whole month of just nonstop uh, loading up dead bodies and, and and these trucks. When did you guys come back to New York? I got back April 2nd. April 2nd, I got back to New York. How did the process go coming from Japan into the U.S.? It actually, honestly, it went smoothly just because of the fact that uh, I'm sure uh, in Japan, they're trying to get everyone out, get everyone back home. Um, I, the, the thing the thing would, um, they didn't want us to get stuck there, basically. They didn't want us to get stuck in Japan and um, away from our families and everything like that. Because the, the whole thing is, they were going to end the season, but just in case they started it back up, they wanted to make sure everyone was. But at, at the point, it got to the point where it's like, all right, just send everybody home, make sure everybody's safe, and um, yeah. So um, it was it was actually pretty easy for for us. Sabrina, when did you come home? Um, I just got home a week and a half ago, so I wasn't wow. really it was really crazy. So, so were you continued you continued to train? What was take it take it from like March and when this started happening to you know, yeah. where, where it was and how obviously being, you were quali going to qualify for the Olympics this year. What was that? Like? Yeah. So basically um, back in February, March, around that time, um, we were training thinking that we were getting ready for the, the Olympic trials in June, which would be held in Eugene, Oregon, where we live. Um, but when things started to get really bad um, and competition started getting canceled or postponed. Um, our coach had to reevaluate our season. So we kind of had to shift our goals and decide, do we want to continue training for the season or do we want to end it? Um, and um, our coach decided that we'll just continue training and just be hopeful for some competitions to pop up um, during the outdoor season. For everybody else who doesn't really follow track, what exactly is your specialty? Uh, I run the 800. And what do, run, what do you run the 800 in? This is phenomenal. Uh, I actually saw the stats. <laughs> two minutes flat. So you do four laps in two minutes. David, that's 30 seconds a lap. Yeah, two laps in two, two minutes. Laps. Yeah. 
four hundred. You get that, Dave? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I can I can do that probably about two minutes and about like half a lap. But, <laughs> but so, so uh, quick question, Josh, not to cut you off, no. Sabrina. So I know very little about track, but I always hear you know talk um, track coaches. They will talk about hitting your peak, and you know it takes months on a buildup. Is how much will this affect your schedule? Say you were trying to hit a peak for the trials in June, and then I think the games were like late July, August. How, yeah. How's that buildup going to come now? Say that now you have a, a new target a year out. Is it going to affect yeah. you or is it the same process? Um, well, we decided to continue training for the rest of this year, and I actually just finished. Um, I ended my season a week ago, a week and a half ago. So um, some competitions did actually pop up. Um, uh, Nike held some kind of private races kind of thing. And um, with the help of Portland Track, um, they put on these small meets where we had to get tested um, before going and stuff like that. And it was just like a couple of people in each race. So it didn't really alter anything. We were still able to compete, but it does affect like our times because a lot of the times that we ran did not qual like did not count for anything, um, so we won't be able to use those times for many for like Olympic qualifying standards and stuff if it's not like official races. What's the plan moving forward so it starts counting? Obviously, there's a lot of trials uh, leading up to the Olympics. I, I believe they're being completely pushed back to 2021. So when does that start up again? Um, so we're hoping that it'll be next year. They're just shifting it another year. Um, but it kind of altered our world schedule because we have world championships, um, was supposed to be 2021. So now if the Olympics is 2021, then they're going to change worlds to 2022. And then it's going to alter the rest of the schedule, I guess, for a long time. So they're trying to figure all of that out. Is just the 800 that you compete in, or are there other races that you compete in or are looking to qualify for for the Olympics? Oh, just the 800. Okay. Yeah. So how often, how often will you be, um, will you head back to Eugene, Oregon to continue to get ready for 2021? Um, I'll head, I'll head back there at the end of this month. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Do you often go to Colorado Springs for you? Uh, because I know that's sort of the big training courses and, uh, in, for Team USA? Uh, we actually train um, at Altitude in Flagstaff, Arizona, but we didn't go this year, obviously, for obvious reasons. Makes sense. What, I guess, in terms of getting qualified, and, and the goal is obviously to make it the Olympics, it's a tremendous honor. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's my favorite. I always love watching track and field. That and, and diving, I've always find to be the most fascinating. I know 50 meter swim is always fun too to watch. Obviously, the playing with the the NBA guys in 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 the uh, competitions a little bit easier, James. I think anywhere yeah. the, world, the world's getting better. It really is. Yeah. Uh, in fact, with Luca, I mean Germany could be a real threat. You know, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but I guess how many? I guess when will you know that you've qualified? I guess how does how does the competition evaluate how who's going? I know it's uh, I know it's pretty long and strenuous. Yeah. Well, basically. Um, I guess anyone can make it if they're having a good day because, uh, well, you have to hit a standard to make it to the Olympic trials. Mm -hmm. And then um, you have to have the Olympic standard. 
going into the trials in order to make it on the team. Um, but it all depends on the day of the Olympic trials in that given race. Um, okay. So you have to come in top three in that race. So it's nobody gets like picked. It's just if you come in top three, you make it on the team as long as you have the qualifying time. Now, are you coached by the same person the entire time? Yeah, I'm. Okay. I am. Uh... Oh, that's great. So you're familiar, and I guess how many people were actually competing for those three spots in the um, race? Everyone in America. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> How many get to your, I guess, get to your platform where, you know, we're watching the Olympic trials on TV and we see you. So So there'll be different like sections for each race. So if there are like 24 people at the trials, they'll split it up like eight people um, into eight heats, not eight heats, but eight people per heat. So um, then there'll be like semifinals and then the final. So they're prelim semifinals, finals. So it's like, you have to make it in the first day. I think you have to come in um, first in your heat, like your section, and then you make it to the semifinal. Then you have to come in like top two to make it to the final, and then top three goes to the Olympics from the final. Now you were you were at, you started your career at Georgetown, correct? Yeah, I and did. then you and then you went to Oregon. Yes. And you've been successful in both places. Tell us a little bit about the differences between going from Georgetown, which is a phenomenal school. Uh, James, obviously, you had some success against them. Oh, yeah. Uh, for yeah some bad games, too. Okay, I got thrown. I had some bad games against them. And, uh, <laughs> we focus on the positive. And then, obviously, making the jump to go to the West Coast. What made what made the decision to do so? Was um, there a competition out West? Yeah, there's um, the conference for track, I think, was um, more competitive. Um, and also Oregon, they have a rich history in the event that I run and just in track in general. Um, so I thought, I thought it would be a good idea to make the switch there because they had a lot of success in track and field. Not to mention the flashier colors. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nice clothes and stuff like that too. Yeah. James, obviously one of the things that David and I, when we started this whole process, we talked a little bit about how we all got started at Notre Dame prep almost 13 years ago, which is hard That's to crazy, believe. Right? 13 years ago. <laughs> Sabrina, I'm so glad you didn't make that trip up there. It was a, it's a story. <laughs> <in> the- <laughs> she went up there. She took a trip up there. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry ahead of time. Um, <laughs> but James, obviously you go on and you have a great career at Syracuse, you know, not to me. One of the stats that I always pull out: you're the only person that has the uh, made more threes than anybody else in the Big East history, and in, in a single game, which is, you know, you're yeah. in the zone. I appreciate. It. Yeah, I locked in that time because uh, it was do or die for us at the time. So it was definitely great to have. We just want to know what happened to the rest of your career, but hey, <laughs> I think you know. Obviously, spoke to your agent, and he still thinks the world of you. You know, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you, you made a great run. You made it to the championship game, your last game as a Syracuse uh, Orangeman. Talk a little bit about where you've gone from there to now playing overseas professionally. I know you bounced around a little bit in the G League and what yeah. you're seeing. I mean, it's, it's been an experience. You know, I've, I've, uh, one thing, Andy and I went through this together. It was, it was our first year together. I was first, his first guy. He's my guy. Um, it's been, um, it's, it was, it's been, it's been a lot of ups and downs. And I feel like uh, a lot of people don't see, um, I mean, most mostly everyone's focused on NBA. So that's all you see. If, if people think if you're in the NBA that you're just officially doing great, which is um, which is cool. Sorry. And then um, 
But um, like it's bouncing around a lot. A lot of guys bounce around, and I've I've been in that situation where I've I've played around, had some success in some leagues, and didn't have some success in some other leagues. So um, um, I I found you know, when I'm going from like Charlotte, the Charlotte Bobcats or Hornets now to G League, getting cut in the G League, um, uh, going to uh, New Orleans, and then trying for for Portland. It's it's, it's been it's it's been ups and downs, but at the same time, it's like. You got to find a way to bounce back, and and um, that's life, buddy. Yeah, exactly. That's and that's what you learn. I mean, it, it, like from from basically, from it's like you're like you're you're a big fish in a in a small pond when you're in like uh, middle school, high school, and and kind of even college to where like you're you're basically playing against everybody in the world now, competing against everybody for a job, and it's not even about who's better. It's about like. The circumstances. Oh, he well, he's got he's two years younger than you. He's so and so. Well, we, we kind of like him better, but it's it's just um, it's it's a it's a continuous fight, and you just gotta keep you gotta keep grinding, and um, that that's the that's the thing about being a professional, especially professional athlete. Uh, you could it's easier to see uh, uh your ups and downs compared to like a regular job. I mean, everyone even though some people are successful doesn't mean that they're not battling something, you know. Oh, absolutely, and you yeah. know it's. I mean, you're you're playing over in Japan. How many Americans do you see? Isn't it two Americans per team? Is that correct? Well, it's two Americans on the court per, uh, okay. at one time. So, um, so I would most most teams have three Americans. Um, maybe an, a a naturalized player who counts as Japanese, depending on their circumstances. Um, yeah, and also, well, naturalized is basically like someone who's either born, lived in Japan, or who is yeah, basically a citizen, citizen of, of who considered a citizen. But um. But basically, yeah. So that that's usually how it is. But um, it's, Japan is fairly new because before, before, like when I got there, my first year, it was the second year that they had an official league because it was all spread out before. It was like four or five different leagues in Japan, and now they they all unionized to have like uh, JBL, Japan Basketball League, and now it's getting a lot of notoriety. So, so who are some of the other players that you know many of us would know that, that played in the league with you or, or against you? Well, Devin Ebanks, who was on the Lakers, was just out there last year. They had Devin Ebanks. We have got uh, this is this is guys ancient uh, Jr. Sakuraga. His name is Jr. Henderson. He actually was on Baron Davis' team at UCLA and sure. Ed Bannon and all those guys. So he's he actually just retired this year. Wow. Yeah, he, that's that's before was, my he, high school time. He's yeah, right. Before. <laughs> Exactly. So he's he just retired at 40, 43. He was 43 and he's retired. So um he he made a great living out there. He actually was my I was like I was like his kind of his rookie and he's my vet. So he's he knew the uh he, he basically told me a lot when I was out there playing for those seahorses my my first year. Uh we have they have a bunch of good uh, Jordan Hamilton, I'm I'm pretty sure he's gonna be out there this year. Um they're getting a lot of guys. Cedric Simmons who played in the league. There's a lot of guys who played NBA that, that, that played in Japan, especially a lot of bigs. Um, um, uh, Sacre, Robert Sacre from the Lakers as well. Like, like, what do they bring over? Is it just big guys? Do they bring guards? Well, mostly big guys. Like when I got there, they started bringing more swings. Mm -hmm. Um, like over, uh, Ryan Kelly from Duke. He's actually, uh, we had some good games against each other. Um, and then more this they're going to more swings now too, not just big guys, because it really depends on how the rule changed. So last year you could only dress two at a time, two American at a time. This year, I guess you could dress all your Americans and only have two in a court at the same time. What is the so, crowd like? 
Oh, the crowds are great. It's all it's, it's packed. It's 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 lively. Um, especially it's, and I guess for for Japan, basketball is up is up and rising. As you can see, they have um, Hachimura from the Wizards. They, 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 he's one of their oh, yeah. successors, you know. And it's like they, they um, with uh, Japanese, they love all sports, and basketball is one of those exciting sports that they're definitely getting into. Especially uh, the teams I've been to, we had some great crowds. So when you walk down the street, they know who James Sutherland is. They're going crazy, huh? It's just like Syracuse on a, on a uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Because first of all, you no, know, who's that tall out there in Japan? And so like <laughs> if you're in the area, like they really know who you are. Especially, um, there's no tall yeah. Japanese people. What happened? There's no tall Japanese people. <laughs> there's tall. There's no tall black guys walking around Japan. Stereotyping <laughs> that. Yeah, hey man. So basically. Like yeah, so they see you like oh oh they know who you are so it's cool no it's cool they're, they're all nice people they're 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 very respect they're very uh respectful and uh they just they they love it they like to take pictures and everything they take pictures now Instagram with the little emojis over their face and then you see this and you just over there but no it's fun it's cool it's it's, it's real it's a real nice place real real I mean I've been to great cities and my family's been there and they love it too but my sister hasn't been so she she definitely got to check it out too but. So check it out for Olympics, you know. Exactly right. So Sabrina, tell talk about what do you have? What cities have you gone? Have you gone outside and competed outside the country yet? No, I haven't. This year would have been my first year doing international racing internationally, but it didn't happen. But you you'll be doing it next year. So yeah. I guess I guess what is one question I have for you? Obviously, we're talking about two minutes and eight hundred. In your mind, at your peak right now, T. You still, everyone sets a number. I mean, I compete in Ironman and, you know, I, I try to set numbers on, and James, I'm sure you say, I, I need to hit this many shots per game. What's your number in your mind that's going to get you to the Olympics? My Do number is to break two minutes. Okay. So, so, under, so, so under two minutes. Okay. Yeah. So when you're, when you're running with the other girls and competing with them, what's everybody, is everybody right around two minutes the entire time? No, it, it just, it's different because, um, every race goes a different way. Sometimes people are too afraid to lead the race and then it ends up being a slow time, like 204 or something. Um, because it just depends like how the race is going. Um, and then some, sometimes people take it out too fast and then everyone dies at the end. So it's, there's just never a perfect race. So, so I'm not really thinking about time when I'm racing. It's just competing mostly. Okay. So like in the 800, how, if this makes sense, I'm not sure from a running standpoint, if this makes any sense, how long can you say run at your top speed? Say if you have to bust it, I know that you're pacing yourself, but at the end, like how, how many yards, how many meters would you say that that would happen? Or is it just the same speed the whole time as you said, pacing and then it gets slow. Oh um, yeah. Well, usually the first lap is faster than the second lap. So the first lap is usually run in like 57, 58 seconds. Okay. And then you come back around in like 60 plus seconds. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So obviously I'm sure when you were competing at Oregon, there were other girls from other city, other countries. Do you, were, do, yeah. do you remember, did they have a different racing style than you and the Americans do or no? Is it pretty similar? Um, yeah, it's pretty similar. I think some people from other countries are a little more, um, they show a little more contact. I guess, which you okay. can be DQ'd for. You can be disqualified for that here. So James, I don't know. That's pretty much the only difference. James, they're throwing elbows like you are in the paint, right? Exactly. You know, <laughs> throwing them out. Never throwing an elbow. 
I guess Flagrant Two is out here. No, now that you're both home, obviously we're six months into COVID right now. Um, ironically, your dad was in the, the epicenter. What has he said about the hospitals compared to today, compared to what it was six months ago? Has it slowed down? Has he seen much of a change? Is he, is he happy where it's looking? Is he afraid that this thing might kick back up in a month or two with flu season around the corner? Uh, yeah, uh, it definitely slowed down, especially in New York, which is, I feel like New York's been doing a great job. Uh, I think well, in Long Island, they're on like phase four. So like everything's Yeah, everything's outside. Mostly okay. outside. It, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel too bad, but at the same time, it's like one thing my father and everyone in the hospitals are worried about is like, of the peak of, of the, or the or the spurt, whatever, like it'll, it'll happen again, like wave. yeah, the next wave, basically. Um, thank you. And then it's like yeah, so that's that's what like everything's fine now, but that's what they that's what they want that's what they're preparing for basically because they don't want the same thing to happen like what happened the first time. Do you think we have a better control of where we are, obviously, than we were when we got this thing started, based on I what think, your dad's saying and what you guys are hearing? Well, I think people are with, with the awareness that people have now. They realize that okay, this is this is something serious. Where before, where no everyone was just like whatever, just going to live my my regular life. So I think now people actually see what's going on, and now people are taking a better awareness of it. Have you guys? Obviously, Sabrina, you mentioned that you were tested. James, have you been tested since you've been home? I've I've been tested like once since I've been home, but ever since then, I felt fine. I actually uh, know some people who actually caught it. Just because they randomly got tested, and they're like, "Yo, I didn't feel any symptoms." So, uh, even like, and that's another thing. We're with us being young, young athletes, we're not gonna feel anything. So it's, it's just young people in general. So like, we have to take caution for the older people out there because if, if anything, that's that's people are gonna feel it the most. Has your dad been tested? Yeah, they they I think they get tested every day in the hospital. To be honest, yeah, really, that's great. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I work in medical sales now, and yeah. there's a lot of doctors that I know that just still haven't been tested. They've been in it for six months. They've been on the COVID force, and that to me is baffling. You know? wow. wow. Yeah. So you, and I know with the overseas thing, um, you have to get tested, and before, like within 94 hours or something like that, you have to leave within that time span. And if you don't, you got to you, you you don't qualify to leave or something like that. So that's what they're doing uh, as well. So yeah. is there anywhere you're looking to leave to now? Or I mean, right now, I'm just, just really, just, my my. I want to go back to Japan, but my visa expired, so I actually it's messed up because they closed the they they shut down the embassy and the borders before I even left Japan, so I couldn't renew my visa to to even uh get back into the country. So, or like, cause my visa expired in June and they shut down in March and I left in April. So um, basically, I want to wait to see my options there, and then. But until then, I'm just going to be training until something pops, either Japan or something else pops up. James, how often are you training per day? Um, well, I'm basically training every day now since uh, the past three, four weeks. Four weeks. So um, I, I mean, I, I have Madison here, my my daughter over here. So like, I've been doing a st uh, stay at home dad slash chef slash. Uh, uh, homeschooling, you know me. Well, who am I to homeschool somebody? But no, it's it's oh, been. Yeah, uh, I one on one. Brandon, please help him. That's why. That's why we got the Georgetown graduate here. Yeah. You know, this is not for me. Madison, so, what's our favorite meal? That's the that's a good Pasta. question. Macaroni. Oh, there we go. Macaroni. She doesn't like any like chicken or, or steak or something. Like that. Yeah. I don't know what they're feeding her in those schools, but it's, <laughs> it, it don't sound good. 
No Notre Dame prep specials, chicken patties. Uh, I wish they had some Notre Dame prep specials. Them chicken patties, man, you don't understand what they did to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it helped us out a lot. It's like, she don't even eat that. So you so eat like some chicken nuggets. That's about it. Sabrina, so what's the plan for you? What's the next? What's the plan in terms of getting ready? Is there how long are you home for? When do you um, Yeah, I'm home for until the end of this month. So this is my off season. So I don't really have to train hard. So. Uh, yeah, I just we just start fall training in October, so I have to be ready to go by then. But there's nothing to really get ready for. It's just just get there and we'll start training again. So take me and David. David and I kind of know what an off-season workout looks like and, and game day workouts with your brother and, and the regular season training. What's 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 training like for you? How do you how do you guys get? Is it a lot of weightlifting? Is it a lot of you know? Short runs, long runs, what is it like? Um, so on Monday, on Monday and Wednesday, we have lift um, in the morning, and we combine that with a run, which is like, I guess, six miles. And then on Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday are our work, like our hard workout days. So we'll go on the track or we'll go on the trail and we'll do like intervals, like 1K repeats or like, I don't know, 200s on the track. It just depends at which point in the season we're, we're at. But mostly in the fall, we'll do our fall training on the trail. There's like a, a bark trail loop that would just go around. Um, so yeah, that's Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And um, Fridays are our off days, and Sundays are long runs. We'll, we'll run like 10 miles. Some people run longer. And then Monday starts the week again. When you say a one k repeat, what is that? Um, a thousand meters. Um, and we'll repeat it like five times at a certain pace. And the um, pace would be rough estimate on what you, what you guys are doing from the start of like was it like five yeah. minutes? Or no, no, no. He would never let us go five minutes. Um, probably like two fifty, two minutes fifty <laughs> seconds, and we'll go down to like we'll go down like each interval. So we'll get faster, a couple of seconds faster at each interval. I just like that six miles is your light day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's our easy day when we have the easy six-mile, 40-minute. I do six miles until, uh, yeah. three days off. Like running ladders, continuous yeah. ladders. Like, yeah. It's, that's incredible. That's incredible. Guys, I really appreciate it. You guys coming on, David and I've been excited. It was David's idea when we got started. He said we've got to have you know James and his sister on and his dad, and obviously, exactly. you know, with, and how COVID's obviously impacted you guys in particular. I mean, Sabrina, you were supposed to be. What would what's your? I mean, obviously, to win the gold, what just the whole magnitude of what what's it going to be like when you're finally there? That will be crazy. Um, I think it will be great to see all the hard work and everything pay off. So hopefully if it if the Olympics and the trials actually happen next year, um, we'll see how the fitness and the training has gone this past year. Well, you'll have to keep – we'll be definitely following. We'll have to, we may have to get an update. Thank you. James, the next plan, obviously, is to get, to get the visa and then get back overseas. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely try about that. And if I'm in Japan, that would be dope if uh, she's out there and we're out there together. And maybe uh, – uh, you guys can pack your bags and try to take that, a trip there. That would be a great trip, David. I know, I know Dave's not trying to go nowhere. Dave's not trying to leave Jersey, but. <laughs> be, I think that would be incredible. I've always wanted to go to the Olympics. I think yeah. the Olympics is like 
I mean, that's all that screams America, you know. I mean, that, yeah. Just being in that atmosphere would probably be crazy. So it's something that we all of us would want to experience. So that'd be dope. James, now I'm, I got to. I'm not gonna let you off the hook with the uh, NBA. We're in the second second round. Okay, who's who's going to the finals? Are you surprised with how Boston's taken uh, Toronto the first two games? Listen, uh, actually, I'm really shocked. I'm, I'm really actually surprised about that. That that was that one was. I didn't see that really coming. I thought Toronto would actually um, start off too well, but uh, Boston has those weapons that Jason Tatum. They have Daniel Brown. Kimba's playing good. So like they're they're doing they're doing well, but what's what's what I wasn't surprised is Miami Heat and Milwaukee Bucks. I really feel like the the Heat were gonna get out on them, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised about that too. Uh, so who's who? So David has David. Who'd you pick? You picked the Bucks and the uh, Clippers. The Clippers. And I picked Toronto and the Clippers. So I, I'm gonna ask you two. Who's go, who's going in it? Who's going from each bracket? I got um, uh, I got a. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. I'm gonna say uh, Heat and uh, who are you talking about for the for the championship? Yeah, I got Heat and Lakers. Sabrina, are you a diehard basketball fan? <laughs> You're like whatever. I don't have any any preference. <laughs> okay. Well, the last question I'm gonna have for you is, guys. Obviously, you grew up in a great sports family. You know, your dad. I've I've met several times, James. Um, I think I met your mom once. Were they athletes and were they athletes in, in college and high school? And where's the passion for sports come from? I definitely for, for basketball is definitely my dad. My dad has been with me since uh, I've started playing basketball. And the one thing uh, he was always a great shooter. He would he played D D three at Hunter, but hey, he was great. So uh, <laughs> no, nah, I feel like uh, he did. Uh, I, I got everything I learned from him. Um, he he's being being in uh you know in radiology. He used to have the guys come for MRIs and CAT scans like Allen Houston, Latrell Sprewell. So growing up seeing those guys come in, even though they're hurt, even though you don't you kind of don't want to see them during that time. It's like yo, it was just it was really inspiring to see those those Nick guys growing up coming in um uh, where working coming my dad doing work on those guys. So um and then you know I mean grew up a Knicks fan. My dad helped uh, always was always in the in the gym with me. So that that was that was inspiring for me. Sabrina. So, yeah, well, just watching him, I basically learned from him. I did basketball before track. So did you really? I did. We found out she was fast. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this is, you're playing, you're playing the wrong <laughs> So, yeah. So, that's both went to Cardozo, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good old Cardozo. So, guys, I, I like I said, I can't thank you enough. David, do you have any, any follow-up? Anything? This has been the best interview we've had. I can't thank you enough. Oh, oh thank, you. thank you. I'm definitely going to tell that to Andy, though. That's fine. You can tell Schiff that I said that, too. Better interview than Andy. Yeah, I'm going to send it to Andy. I'll send it to Andy right as soon as he gets done downloading. Yeah, he's through. By the way, he's happy that you're doing this. He was like, all right, finally, James is getting on the step. I know. I know. Doing, I don't know. Like the beginning of the summer, but we, we finally got together. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So, Dave, David, what did you learn from this? I think I learned more about, I mean, we, we talked about COVID, but just kind of learned more about what it takes to actually – be at the Olympic standard for track and some of what goes into it. It's cutthroat, huh? It's, cutthroat. Yeah. <laughs> it's either kill or be killed. <laughs> yeah. <games. laughs> I'm, I'm just glad I was fortunate to be around two great athletes that, you know what, David, you and I, you know, my past ended a long time ago and you're, you're, you're. My, 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 mine basically ended as soon as I got on the court. I was kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. So we really appreciate it, guys. David, you want to take us out? Yep, for sure. Until next time, changing of the times. Thanks, guys.
Yeah.